Heavenly Father, we thank you for this evening. We thank you for the opportunity we have to be together in this place. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was, who is, who is to come. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. We give you honor and glory, praise. And we give our lives to you, Lord Jesus, that we ask that you would use us for your purposes. Thank you for our brothers and sisters who lead us and we, we have our chance to sing with the angels, glory, glory to you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege of being able to study the Word of God tonight. And we thank you for the privilege of understanding your Word by the Holy Spirit. We pray for many of our people tonight who, uh, who are unable to be with us for various reasons. We pray that you might be with them. We pray for those who are joining us online. We thank you for them. We ask that this time in your Word might be help to us, be beneficial to us in all that we are dealing with in our own lives. We pray tonight for foster children who have disabilities. We pray for them who, uh, who care for them, <clears throat> foster families who are willing to help <clears throat> children <clears throat> who have great disabilities and for the needs that they have, they are great. And we pray that you might raise up additional foster families across the state of Tennessee and Dixon and also even in our own church and if it not be us, perhaps it's some of our relatives or family <clears throat> that we know that we can encourage and challenge who could take up this very important ministry. We pray, Lord, tonight that you might help us now, that we would examine our hearts and that we would come to the Word of God, that we would not bring sin to, uh, to this uh, occasion to look at the Word of God, that we might put aside our sin and confess our sin so that we might be clean to receive the Word of God as it comes to us tonight, all of us in this room have needs. All of us have needs. And so we say, Our Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven and give us this day our daily bread. Tonight, may you give us the word of God to feed our souls so that we might be strong and able to do the work that you call us to do. For all the Bible studies that are going on across this campus and our students and our children and adult classes, we thank you for all the opportunity we have. And we thank you for what you do through the life of this church. So now we prepare ourselves, Lord, and we ask that you might help us to receive your word to make a difference in our lives for whatever days you give us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, good to see all of you. And if you have your... Uh, Bible, we're going to be, uh, guess where? The book of Lamentations. So you might find your place in Lamentations. If you're joining us online, may the Lord bless you. <clears throat> we're honored to have you. Please forgive my voice. I'm suffering from, I, this is, here we are. Here we go. It's February. <clears throat> it's already started. And I know that I'll clear my voice a lot of times. So don't clear your voice with me. It won't help. I'll still have to do it. And I'm sorry. But I'll do the best I can. Tonight I want to try to summarize, um, I want us to talk about holy grief observed. And what I want to do is summarize chapter 3 of Lamentations. It is of great value to every person in this room tonight. It's, it's of great value to all of those who are listening to me tonight uh, online and also those who might hear this 
a recording some other time and you hear, hear my voice. <clears throat> I am a fellow sufferer uh, just like you are. So I'm trying to be, I'm trying to be your pastor tonight. I try to always be, but I'm, I'm, I'm extremely uh, wishing, hoping that what we do tonight will give you something on this piece of paper for yourself and also for all of those who, who, you, who you have contact with to teach them how we suffer to honor God. You will suffer. I will suffer as long as we're on the earth. Any preaching or teaching that says you're saved and you don't suffer is false teaching. <clears throat> so these things are for all of us tonight. <clears throat> I don't know the seasons of suffering you're in. There are, there are great seasons of suffering for the young and for the middle age and for the old and for children alike and young adults. But these seven stages, I call them, or what so now I need to pull together all that we've looked at in chapter 3. <clears throat> Lamentations 3 is an incredible, incredible place in the Word of God. And it's a place where you need to go. And I hope you'll go there all the days you have left as you deal with suffering as it comes and goes in your life. But before we go to this, I want to ask you to turn... Uh, and keep your mark in Lamentations. I'd like for all of us to go in our Bibles to the book of Ecclesiastes. And I'd like for you to turn and read with me in chapter number 7. Ecclesiastes chapter number 7. Solomon <clears throat> is now talking about what's better. He's talking about what's better. Everybody in the world tries to talk about what's better. Better house, a better job a better family, a better car, a better whatever it is. We're always looking for what's better. The Word of God teaches us what is better. And we have these great words <clears throat> that I want us to focus on tonight that set for us. This is like setting the table. This helps you to understand, again, <clears throat> the truth of how a Christian suffers. We read beginning in verse number two, words that the world never will understand. Ecclesiastes 7, 2. It is better, it is better to go to a house of mourning than to go to a house of feasting. What? Did I read that right? It is better to go to a house of mourning than to go to a house of feasting. Because that is the end of every man, and the living takes it to heart. Sorrow, number three, sorrow is better than laughter. Wait, what? Are you serious? Sorrow is better than laughter. For when a face is sad, a heart may be happy. The mind of the wise is in the house of mourning. What? While the mind of fools is in the house of pleasure. These words are quite shocking to the modern culture. 
These things seem to be that we're saying as Christians, well, we don't want to have any fun. Uh, we're not joyful people. We're not happy people, which is absolutely not true. In fact, the Lord said the happiest people are the most mournful people. The happy, blessed are those who mourn. The happiest people are the mourning people. So we must learn in a world where people um, allow laughter and silliness and foolishness and pleasure to take them away from seriously considering the reality of life. And so it is better, church, to go to a house of mourning than to go to a house of feasting. I've often said when I've talked with young preachers that the place they should go more often in ministry is to uh, the funeral home or to the nursing home. I know things have changed. It's hard, and I know we try to work at the hospital. Go see children in the children's hospital who really have no opportunity to leave that place. Places of mourning. What do you learn in the places of mourning? Well, you learn what's better. You learn what's better in the place of mourning. And until you mourn, this, this is what I'm trying to help you understand with lamentation. Until you really engage with lamentations, and as many, many have said to me while we've been reading this, this is, so, this is so emotional. Yes, it is. It's very powerful. And if you read it in the Spirit, it has great impact on us. You see, we must go to the house of mourning because that's where you find comfort, the comfort of God. So we, instead of saying to our friend, don't mourn, we should say, I'll mourn with you. I'll grieve with you. That's what Christians do. I'm reminded of what uh, we read in Psalm 119. It was good that I was afflicted so that I might not sin. It's always better to have sorrow. Sorrow is better than laughter. The Lord Jesus was a man of sorrows acquainted with much grief as the prophet describes our Messiah, the Lord Jesus. As I've recounted to you multiple times, he wept on multiple occasions all through his ministry. He was a man of sorrows <clears throat> crying at the end of his life, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? stricken and smitten, filled with sorrow, and taking upon himself the sorrow that comes from the sinfulness and godlessness of those he came to save. We'll not be much for God without understanding the sorrow and sadness he brings in our life. So the young couple says to me, as has happened in my ministry many times, why would God allow me to have a child like this? Sorrow's better than laughter. 
And a few years later, you know what those parents say? I thank God for this child. That's what happens. Oh, we find ourselves going in and here comes sorrow. Here comes the storm. It rolls in on us. And we think, well, this will just pass, but then it stays. And one sorrow to another, and it seems like we don't ever seem to catch our breath. The reality is, sorrow is better than laughter, for the face may be sad. Now this is it. It's right here. The face may be sad, but the heart happy. There is a strange, <clears throat> amazing thing that happens in the Christian life that those who suffer most are most joyful. I think about Fanny Crosby who wrote so many hymns, she was blind. Hundreds of hymns. Uh, glorifying the Lord Jesus, she never could read her Bible. She read it with Braille and she heard it preached and she wrote unbelievable hymns. A blind woman. Sorrow is better than laughter. Why, oh God, do you send this in my life? Because the house of mourning is better than the house of feasting. And when the face is sad, the heart may be happy. And the mind of the wise is in the house of mourning. Now, all of that helps to explain what I have sought to describe to you. I use the word for weeks, holy lament. Now I want to use a more popularized, modern way, holy grief. That's what holy lament is. So let's go now to, to these seven stages. And for our time, I'm just going to elaborate a little bit on it. And we're just going to take the time and walk back through Lamentations 3. Many of you have been with me the whole time. Others of you have tried and others are in and out and I know that. I'll try to enlarge on a few things, but I want you to think about this tonight. Don't run from your sorrow. God knows you have that sorrow. God's not shocked by the trouble that comes in your life. Do you really believe that something's going to shock our Lord? Surely not. Surely not. So when He sends it your way, when He permits it, however it comes and however you want to describe it, it's for you. It's for you so that you might grow in your holiness and your Christ-likeness. For the suffering, for our Lord learned obedience from the things He suffered. He learned obedience. Who am I? I am a follower of the Lord Jesus. How did John say it? Not even worthy to strap his sandals on. The Lord learned obedience from the things he suffered. What will all of us, how do you learn obedience? How do I learn obedience to God? In the house of mourning. So we go back now and we pick up in this wonderful, wonderful chapter. This is a chapter for you to share with your friends. And that's why I thought it would be good to give you something to say, okay, friend, here, this, this is for you. 
This is for you. Here's a way you can, because the language is so strong, it's hard to get through it. We've, we've worked through this. I don't even know how long we've been here. I, my hair's grayer than when I started teaching the book of Lamentations. I don't know. <clears throat> but I don't regret it. I'm glad for it. And we have more ground to go. So before we go to chapter 4, to the third lament of Jeremiah, now we open up this wonderful place. So I call this a holy grief observed. How do you see it? What does it look like to grieve in a holy way? Some of our dear ones this week, we've lost one of our dear brothers in Christ. So now another wife grieves. Some this week have received news about their health. More bad news, as people would say. It's their news and it's about them and so now they grieve. A child has gone here. A child has gone there. A grandchild has done. We can enlarge, we know. It's like I've said to this church since I've been here, be kind to everybody. Everybody's having a hard time. So let's look at these seven stages. Where are you tonight in your suffering? Oh, I don't have any suffering, Pastor Ryan. <laughs> okay. You can pretend like you don't, but you do. You can act as if it's not real. Oh, well, I'm too young to have suffering. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, um, the first thing is that very point. You must accept that you have suffering. Oh, my suffering can't compare. No, I'm not asking you to compare it. So what do we read here? I am the man who has seen affliction. I am the man who has seen affliction. Every person in this room can say that. I am the man or woman who has seen affliction. He goes on and describes it as we saw. He describes vividly how God was disciplining him and bringing judgment on Israel. And he lists all of those things we looked at in detail, beginning in verse number two, all the way down the page until he finally comes to this. Notice I've tried to give you his personal testimony. Notice the pronouns, I and my. I and my. This is, I'm trying to make this personal. This is how you work through this. I am a man who has seen affliction. I stand before you. I am a man who has seen affliction. That's my testimony too. I have forgotten happiness. Look at it there. My soul has been rejected from peace and I have forgotten happiness. There's no peace in my soul anymore. This is now in our suffering. This is when suffering comes. When a new stage or experience of suffering comes, the news comes. Job, all your children are dead. And the, and the vandals and the thieves have taken everything you have. And your house is destroyed. There's the news. I have forgotten peace. My soul, my, soul has, my soul has been rejected from peace and I have forgotten happiness. Look at the words. 
Some of us are so glib. Well, it's case sarah, sarah. Oh, you know, it just all kind of works out. Is that, if you say that, you're not really reading your Bible. There are more Christian martyrs in the world today than at any other time in Christian history. While we've been alive here in this country, there have been brothers and sisters in Christ that we don't even know their names who have died for the faith today. I have forgotten happiness, and I say, verse 18, my strength has perished. I can't hold out anymore. I don't have any more power to do this. I can't overcome this. I, my strength has perished, and so has my hope from the Lord. Where is God? Where is God? How could he let this happen? Hope from the Lord. It's as if God sends me no hope. You see, this is where we start. We start by accepting and naming our suffering. I have seen affliction. I have no peace. I have forgotten happiness. You see, it's the idea, well, before I was sad and sorrowful, I was happy. I just want to be happy. I don't know how many times in my pastoral life, and I've been doing this a long time, one of my friends and I were talking, I didn't realize, you know, so I've, I've been preaching for 50 years. I don't know how many times I've heard this. I just want to be happy, Pastor Mike. Do you? Here's real happiness. Read what the Lord said. Happy are the poor in spirit. Happy are those who mourn. Happy are those who hunger and thirst for right. You want, you want to be happy? The world pursues happiness and they never find it. And all of us in this room who've come to know the Lord Jesus Christ came finally to the end and said, there is, that's all a sham. There is no happiness in the world and all the promises of the world. So you must accept your suffering. Number two, you must talk, ponder, and face your suffering. Now this is, this is that controversial thing. You must talk to yourself. This isn't praying. This is talking to yourself. What do we read? <clears throat> Verse 21. This I recall to my mind. This I recall to my mind. And then how did he describe it? Verse 19. He's talking to himself. Remember my affliction and my wandering, the wormwood and the bitterness. You know, <clears throat> so my dad was from western Oklahoma out there and all the young people in this room have no idea what I'm even talking about, but you can Google it. So there was, in, in the state of Oklahoma, the farmers over, they overdid it on uh, planting. In Western Oklahoma, it's already a dry place. And so my father and all my family are from Western Oklahoma, farmers out there. And the Dust Bowl came. And in that part of Oklahoma down into the a panhandle of Texas, and then up a little bit in Kansas. And it was a massive, it was the, it, all the topsoil was, you, you know, it, where I'm from, it blows, the wind blows like today. I thought I was right back at home. 20 mile an hour winds, what you do every day. You have a bad hair day every day. So it blows the, blows the dirt and it would pile up like snow. And so, uh, but all of my relatives who went through that, when I was growing up, it's funny, some of their best memories 
were when they lived on the farm and they put the blanket on the window, which had no screens and some of them didn't even have a glass in it. And they wetted the blanket and the dust would blow and pile up inside the window. And they talked about, I, my father's from a large family, so all of my aunts and uncles, I'd sit there and listen to these stories. They were happy as could be in the Dust Bowl. I wouldn't want to be in the Dust Bowl. That sounded horrible to me. Remember my affliction. Remember my wandering. The wormwood and the bitterness. He's saying, don't forget the pain. Don't forget the pain. And then he says, he says, I've given it to you here. Uh, verse 20, surely my soul remembers and is bowed down within me. There is this, this grieving that comes as we remember our pain. You remember that rejection. You remember that loss. You remember that news that came. Whatever it is, don't forget it. Remember it. See, this is, this is why we're different from the world. <clears throat> oh, I can't think about that anymore. But if you'll think about that and go to the house of mourning, you'll find God. You'll find Him. You don't find Him in the house of feasting. You find Him in the house of mourning. So we have this this whole point. So we say to our friends as we minister to people, and all of us in this room, I know how, how wonderful many of you are in this room in the ministries you have and how much you care for people. You must help them to say, all right, let them. So what is it? You're, what is your suffering? Let them accept it and name it. Let them talk and ponder it and face it. Talk and ponder and face it. This is me talking to myself. My soul remembers and is bowed down. And then what does he say? This I recall to mind. What? You mean you think about, oh, if you think about all the suffering, it's going to drive you crazy. No. If you think about your suffering as a believer in Jesus Christ, it leads you then to what? You begin to think about God in suffering. Step three. And then we saw this conclusion. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Remember now, link verse 20 to verse 24. Surely my soul remembers. <clears throat> this I recall to my mind, 21. <clears throat> and now in quotations, and I've pointed this out to you. There are only a few places in Lamentations 3 where you have quotations. This is one of them. Look what, look what the grieve, holy grieving soul of Jeremiah says, the Lord is my portion. He's mine. Everything I have is on the Lord. The Lord is my portion. He's my lot. He's my plot. He's, my, he's, he's mine. Everything I have is in the Lord. And we know that to be our Lord Jesus Christ. And then notice what he says. I'm <clears throat> reversing the order, just taking you back. The conclusion is first, verse 24, but notice how he got there. Verse 22, the Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease. Praise the Lord. Now this is in suffering. God loves me when I'm suffering. God would love me and allow suffering. Yes, the loving kindnesses of the Lord never cease. He loves you in your greatest suffering. He's not left you. 
His compassions never fail. His compassions never fail. His love never ceases. Mark it. They are new every morning. And what do we say? Great is your faithfulness. And then he realizes, the Lord is my portion, therefore I have hope in Him. This is what we try, this is what we're working to get through, uh, get to in our suffering. This is the goal. Hope in suffering. I've mentioned this to you repeatedly in, in my time here, and sometimes I think, I'm going to use the excuse that I'm repeating myself for teaching purposes, not because of old age and senility. So I'm going to remind you again of something very interesting of the order of things in Romans chapter 5, as Paul talks about why we should rejoice in trouble. Just turn over there for a moment. Romans 5, beginning in verse 3. These are very familiar verses to all of you who are in this room. You've studied them, you've taught them, many of you have taught them, but look at this now. Here again, here's Paul. Did Paul know anything about trouble? Paul's whole life was nothing but a big, hot mess. <laughs> I've said to you, the only way God could get any epistles out of him, letters, was to put him in jail, <laughs> chained to a Roman. Can you imagine being a Roman soldier hooked to Paul? No, I cannot imagine what that must have been like. And not only this, verse 3, but we exult in our troubles. What? Are you out of your mind? We rejoice. We exult. This is a worship word. We praise in our tribulations because we know something. Christians, we know something. Look, trouble brings Perseverance. Trouble brings perseverance, and our perseverance <clears throat> produces proven character in us. The real you, the Christ-like you, the development of our character. But then look, and proven character produces hope. Hope is the end. It's the result of our suffering and our troubles. Notice, and hope does not disappoint. Because hope, wait a minute, is tied to the love of God that the Holy Spirit pours out in our heart. <clears throat> Romans 5 and that, that little string of things ought to become very important to you as you think about your suffering, as you think about God. <clears throat> so we accept and name our suffering. We talk and ponder. We, we practice self-talk and ponder and face our sufferings. And we think deeply about God in our sufferings. This is why you're laying there <clears throat> in the hospital when you're able to be conscious enough and you think about not the suffering you have or the news you got from the doctor, but you think about God. You think about the glory of His loving kindness that He loves you even as you're there in that place or in whatever place you find yourself. And then now what you do is you ask questions about God's care. This leads us, and of course I didn't go through all of this wonderful section from verse 24 all the way down to verse 36. We looked at this in detail. I won't repeat it now. <clears throat> but as I'm thinking about God and I'm thinking about what's good, well, I do need to mention verse 26. It's good that I wait silently for the salvation of the Lord. It's good for me to wait silently. It's, it's good that I should bear the yoke of my suffering 
here in his youth. You, you sit alone and you be silent, verse 28, because God has put this on you. Not for evil, but for good. Everything that comes to us from God is good, even though it is painful and hard and we don't understand it. He works all things together for his good. But then we ask these three questions. Who is there who speaks and it comes to pass unless the Lord has commanded it? Everything in my life. There are no accidents. This is part of the providence of God. We don't understand it. It's a mystery. Is it not from the Lord, from the mouth of the Lord, the Most High, that both good and ill go forth? Well, yes. The answer, remember I've said to you, the answer to these questions, the answer is in the question. The answer is in the question. Why should any living mortal or any man offer complaint in view of his sins? No one can and no one is able. So we ask questions about God's care. That's why these questions are inserted in Lamentations 3. And then we come to this very important thing as we're asking questions. Now follow along. I've accepted and I've named my suffering. I'm self-evaluating I'm self, uh, and reflecting and I'm facing my suffering with reality, with realness. I'm accepting it. I don't like it. I, I'm pained in it. I think deeply about God in the midst of my suffering and my pains. I ask questions about God's care and how He works in the midst of it. And then I come to this very important matter. I practice self-examination of the condition of my soul in my suffering. You see, this is where I find myself as a pastor. This is where all of you find yourself as you minister to others in their pain. You must talk to them about the condition of their soul in the midst of their deepest suffering. What's the condition of their soul? Are they mad at God? Have they rejected God? Have they blamed God? Have they tempted God? What is the condition? Have they cursed God? Job's wife, curse God and die. Curse God and die. You are miserable. How could God, how could you say the Lord gives and the Lord takes away? Curse God and die. You believe in a God who lets you go through this? Curse God and die. So we say to ourselves as we ask questions, he puts it in the plural, verse 41, verse 40. Let us examine and probe our ways. I must look at my life when I'm in my suffering. What's my attitude? What are my emotions? What are my desires? What are my passions? Has my pain led me closer to God or pushed me farther away? And all of us in this room, when you go through your suffering, you will have a decision to make. Do you curse God? Or do you praise God in your pain? So knowing the condition, this is not for your friend to find out for you. This is a matter of self-examination. So I say to all of us, like Jeremiah says here, let us in this room examine and probe our ways. You see, we live in this world of veneer. Here's this. 
I've about torn this old teaching thing up and it's got this veneer on it. You know, you can't do anything with this veneer. It's just it, when you rip it off, there's just nothing but plywood under it. It's, it's fake wood. <clears throat> the veneer of the culture. Well, you got to look like you're okay. Well, looking like you got to act like you don't have any pain. You got to pretend like you got it all together. It's all veneer. It's all smoke and mirrors. It's all lies. Because everybody you know, and especially those without Christ, they're in a they're on the path of thorns and they are living in misery trying to put veneer on it to make it happy. If I just buy another car, I'll be happy. And how does that work out? Or like the fellow said to me, well, I just had to have a new wife. And I was thinking to myself, and I can't imagine what your new wife thinks of you. Practicing self-examination. Let us examine and probe our ways. And what do we do? We wait and seek God in our suffering. We go on. The Lord is good. 25. The Lord is good to those. The Lord is good to those who wait for Him and to the person who seeks Him. I didn't want to leave this out because it's so important, but I put it here because He's talked about waiting and He's talked about what is good. And as you're practicing self-examination, it leads you to waiting. And this is what's happening as this chapter unfolds. In 41, we lift up our hearts and our hands toward God in heaven. All of a sudden, I'm waiting. My hands are up. I'm waiting. When will you come, Lord? When will you answer? And then, I, then as I begin to walk through this period, what happens? I pray in my grief. And as we read this together, we saw his emotions and his eyes running down with tears, verse 48. His eyes pouring unceasingly without stopping until the Lord looks down from heaven. See, until, until, there's the word. You wait. You wait until. You wait until. You wait and you seek God until. There's a change. And he says, again, we found these quotations, 54. They put him in the pit. Now, remember, this is, I mentioned to you, this is, this is the actual thing that happened to, Jer to Jeremiah. His own people <clears throat> captured him and put him in a pit and covered it so he couldn't preach anymore. He was that irritating of a preacher. Put him in the, put him in the pit and close it. He was there. And what does he say? Quote, I am cut off. I'm waiting, Lord, but in my grief, I'm cut off. I'm cut off. The reason why I'm using the pronouns, the, pro, per, the, uh, the uh, personal pronouns of I and my is because your suffering is yours. It's not mine. And mine's not yours. You see, God's work in your life is personal. He cares about you. He loves you. And therefore, He is doing His work. Uh, as a believer in Christ, He is shaping us into Christ's likeness. And the only way it happens is through the discipline of suffering. And so I say, I am cut off. I'm by myself. I sit alone, as He said here. I sit alone. 
and I'm silent. This is not sadness. This is submission to the will of God. See, he's come a long way to be able to do this. I am cut off, and yet look what he does. He says, verse 55, I called on your name. I'm cut off, but what did he do? He prayed. He's finally gotten to where he can pray. See, this is our thing. We go and we talk to people and we say, well, you need to pray, but they're not ready to pray. They don't want to pray. They don't know what to say in praying. As we know, and all of you, many of you have taught this, Job's friends were at their best when they said nothing. They were at their best. They sat and grieved with their friend Job. He says, I call on your name, O Lord. This is beautiful. He's, he can, he can't, all he can do is pray in the pit. And he says, do not hide your ear from my prayer for relief from my cry for help. This is, it's stage six before I can pray. And sometimes people will judge others in their suffering and say, well, they should be praying about that in their pain. You don't know their pain because it's not yours. It's theirs. So you stay with them. We minister to them. This is how our church must minister to those who grieve and suffer rather than giving them a long theological talk. And again, just sit down with them. It's more helpful to be quiet than it is to try to talk them through it. Just let them... And if they know you're there, they'll start talking about it. Well, don't panic like you've got to defend God. The Lord's more than able to defend Himself. You know that, don't you? You don't have to be God's apologist. <laughs> well, I'm mad at God. I hate God. Do you? Why do you hate God? Because, and then here they go. But you see, let them name it. Let them say it. Now there's prayer, and then how do we end? You heard my voice, you drew, this is, this is the blessed gospel in this. You drew near when I called on you, and here it is in quotes, I mentioned it to you last week. You said God spoke to him in his suffering. And what did he say? Do not fear. Because that's what happens when you suffer. We get afraid. We run to fear and terror. And the Lord says, do not be afraid. Wait a minute. We have it from the Lord Jesus. Do not let your heart be troubled. Have we not all heard it? Don't be afraid. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled. This is what we carry in our souls, the peace of God. So as you minister to your friends, as we do our work of ministry out of this church to others, this is how I pray we will help people practice holy grief. And that we'll observe it in our own lives. And perhaps this will be of help to you in the days ahead. You will find Lamentations 3 your friend through all the days of your life.
So what do we remember tonight as we go? It is impossible to live without tears and suffering. <laughs> you know, we have, we have uh, 80 degree weather and thunderstorms. You can't get it right, right? I mean, can it be sunshine and 80 degrees? Well, it's going to be soon. Then you're all going to be griping about that. It's impossible to live without tears and suffering. Actually, those tears and suffering make you a man or woman of God. <clears throat> suffering is personal and universal. So what is it now? Um, 80,000 in Turkey and Syria. And some would say, where's God? The Lord said, the birth pangs are getting stronger. My return is sooner, not later. If you think 80,000 is anything, the great day of judgment and tribulation will be, will be beyond Babylon capturing Israel or any other judgment or any other suffering you have ever imagined. Famine, earthquakes alike. There is a judgment coming that we cannot comprehend. So why don't we go tell the world so that those who believe can miss that judgment? Suffering is personal and universal. If you have to watch the newsreel over and over, just watch all those people wailing and crying who have never heard the gospel in Syria under the darkness of Islam. Think about where they are. Think about where they are. Think about those <clears throat> who sit down here at Vanderbilt Children's Hospital or the one in Memphis, St. Jude's. What do they do with their kids? Their children, they've been told by the doctors, will never have a normal life. And some of them may never leave a hospital Holy grief and suffering focuses on God, not the suffering. If I talk about my suffering rather than God in my suffering, I'm not practicing holy grief. Holy grief lives in the faithful love and compassion of God the Father. This is what we do to the praise of the glory of His grace. You drew near when I called on you. You said, do not fear. O Lord, you have pleaded my soul's cause. This, I'm reading verse 58. And you have redeemed my life. Aren't you glad to be saved by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ tonight? Aren't you glad, my friends? You are saved whatever you go through. You are saved by the grace of God. How sweet is heaven when we've lived in such misery on this earth. Come, Lord Jesus. That's what we pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for my brothers and sisters here. We pray for all, we, we all sit with our friends who grieve. May we be like Jesus as we do it. May we help them. The Lord always asked people, always, what, he wanted, what they wanted Him to do. They had to state their condition. Help us 
Help us, Lord, as we minister to others to learn how to help people call out in the pit and then they will hear, do not fear, believe in me and you will be saved. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you, good to see you all and we'll see you Sunday, Lord willing, as we continue to look at the Lord's Prayer together. Have a great night. If you don't know somebody here and you're not familiar, say hello to them. Introduce yourself on the way out. God bless you.